We've titled this year's theme, Doing What Matters Most, the Church and Community, and it's doing what the apostles have established and for our church to continue doing that. Today, we continue in 2 Peter chapter 1. You have your Bibles with you. Turn to it, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read through verses 5 to 11, and it says this. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forget, forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and an election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So last week we talked about how we need to grow in our knowledge of God. If, we, if you look through verses 1 to 4, it says that we need to grow in knowing and experiencing God so that we can begin to partake in God's divine nature, meaning that God's goodness, His grace, and His peace, and all that He has for you through His Spirit, we are able to nav navigate the world that we live in, in all of life's struggles and problems. So Peter begins verse 5 saying, so for this reason, Peter tells us, this is your calling, church. So as we get into it, let's pray, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive right into the word. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in this church. And Lord, as, you, we, as we look into these verses here and these passages here for the church, Lord, may you equip the church in a way that they understand what is at hand. So Father God, we just pray that as we look into the scripture, Lord, may your spirit come and make these words life. So Jesus, we look towards you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Christians and as believers, we all have a calling, right? We believe that we're, we, we, we talk about this calling that we're, we're to walk out. We believe that there is a path that God has set before us to walk out. There's a big picture calling in which Jesus lays out for us in Matthew 28, saying, go make disciples to baptize them and to teach them everything I have commanded. But in this big call, we also have a picture of this is what the church is to do. It doesn't mean that we're all called to be the next Billy Graham in how we are to evangelize, but that as individuals, we all have an, a distinct call in your life to extend the kingdom of God. This can all look very different for, for, for all of us, but together as a church, we work towards making disciples. Peter here reminds us first that God in his divine power has given us what we need for godliness, 
which is what? The knowledge of God. So for this reason, strive to be godly. The key here is this. That in New Testament ethics, we don't make every effort to be godly, but that because God has already made the effort and is making the effort in us today that we do it. That it is because that God already did it that we put effort into it. That's the gospel message. We, we, do not, we don't do it to gain, but we do it because he has already given it to us. And therefore, that gives us the reason to put every effort into it. Now, church, we have to remember it because we can't reverse this order. It's very important that rem remember is, it is that I will work. If we reverse it, it will, will, it will sound like this, that I will work out my salvation in order that God might work in me. But remember, Paul tells us that I work out my salvation for it is God who works in me to will and do his good pleasure. And then Paul continues to go on, I press in because of that in order that Christ might make me his own. Just to give you another example, it's like in marriage. Where if a husband who doubts his wife, wife's love works to earn his wife's love versus a husband who rests in the certainty of his wife's love works to live joyfully in it. You see the difference? So in these verses, before we get to the calling part, there are eight things that Peter here mentions first. The first thing is faith, and the last thing is love. And in between there is virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, or patience, godliness, brotherly, brotherly affection. And I love how Peter starts with faith and ends with love because this agrees with the rest of the New Testament message. In faith, we plug into God's power to love, which is the goal. Okay? First, we need the faith. Faith allows us to rest in who God is, and then from that place, we could love. Right? We need to remember the order. There's an order in everything, and there's an intentionality in the way that, that the Bible is written. First comes faith. Because without that faith, you're going to be trying to love out of your own strengths. And in that way, you're not going to be able to love in a way that the people that you love need. But when you have faith, God gives you power. We just talked about this last week, that there's the Holy Spirit works in you and gives you the, the, the things to navigate this world, the grace and the peace to navigate this world. And out of that power, you're able to extend God's love, not your own love anymore, you're extending God's love to the people that you're ministering to. That now it doesn't require your work, but just your obedience. You see the difference? But let me point this out. This list that Peter writes is not sequential. These six other qualities are not sequential because if you look at all of these qualities, a lot of these qualities actually overlap each other, right? Like love is patient. We read that in, in the book of Corinthians, love is patient. So love and patient, right, right there we know that it works hand in hand, that it's not one or the other, that the steadfastness, that patience that come with it comes out of a place of love too. 
Peter also doesn't say add these things to faith. What does he say? He says supplement or fortify or to furnish. What Peter is saying is that to grow in your discipleship as you grow in your faith, to apply these things into your life because these qualities will strengthen your faith. My sister's not here so I could talk about her. She's downstairs teaching. My sister loves supplements, okay? She loves oils and all that kind of stuff. She, she attacks me with her oils most of the time. But for her, it's, it, she, she takes these supplements because she understands that sometimes what we take in with our food and what we take in uh, to nourish our bodies, sometimes it's not enough, so we take supplements to make sure that we get all that we need for our body to be healthy and for our body to thrive, right? Do we understand that aspect? That these things are to supplement our faith. It's not, not, you don't work towards these things, but these things, because that you have faith, that God says, bring these things, all of these other, these other qualities into your life. The quality of virtue and virtue, knowledge, knowledge with self-control, Self-control with steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection. That these things are there to supplement your faith. These things are there to, to, to fortify you, right? In vitamins, we're always talking about how they fortify all these things. I actually don't understand any of that. All I know is, like, take one, you'll feel better. Take these things. It will help you become a better disciple. Do these things and help you become better disciples. Because in verse 8, he goes on to say, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, what do they do? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Years ago, I was with my family at Harrison Lake, and we decided that we were going to do a big barbecue there, brought the boats and the tubing and do all that kind of fun stuff. And so we're, we're, we're out there having a great time going tubing. And then we come back in during lunch. My cousin and I decided that we're going to enjoy our lunch in the tube and we're going to float in the water. And so we're lounging in the tube, eating and chatting away. And maybe about 30 minutes later, we find ourselves floating in the middle of the lake with no paddles and not tied to any boat, completely stranded. We were probably a good four or 500 meters away from shore in which we thought, you know what, we could just jump in the water and swim back to shore. So as we jump in the water, we realize that this tide that took us out is also a strong enough tide that with every effort that we put into trying to swim back, we weren't really going anywhere. So we climb back onto the float, and we're, there's no phones, no communications back to shore. We looked, we could see our family, their little dots on the shore, and we're just desperate. We're trying to kick, we're trying to paddle. We, there's nothing we could do. Luckily, one of our uncles was taking the boat out just for a little cruise, saw us, and came to our rescue, throw, threw us a line, and towed us back in. I tell us this to illustrate that 
if we just float in our faith, you don't realize this, but you don't stay in the same place. That if we don't obey what verse 5 and 7 5 to 7 has to say to us, and we do not apply to supplement our faith to be intentional with our walk with God, if we are not diligent in knowing God, and we just try to coast or float through our faith, you may find yourself in a very different place. COVID has proven this to us, that those that were not engaged in their faith post-COVID is now no longer with us. They're not going to church or being in community or, in, or, or have left the church, but have also left the faith. So verse 8 is telling us that if you increase in these qualities, you will continue to grow in your knowledge of God. And that if you continue to, 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 to supplement your faith with these qualities, that you, be, you continue to, be, to partake of God's divine qualities, that God will continue to help you navigate the world that we live in and that you could rest in God's peace and grace. But if you don't do these things, verse 9 warns us, for whoever lacks these qualities is what? Nearsighted and he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Two things here, that we become blind. Blind of what? Blind of our past and of our future. That we forget our salvation and the promises that God has given us because we have become a place where the worldly things begin to swallow us up. We get overwhelmed in our fears and anxieties and we, our floating just leaves us limping in the water, drifting towards our destruction. But we become blind to our future because we cannot see what God has laid out before us in the calling, in the path that he has laid out before us. We no longer see God. That all we see is fears and anxieties that are before us and behind us that we rest our identity in those fears and those anxieties and those depression things, that we forget that God says that I am here to give you what? Grace and peace. That if you don't fortify your faith, that you're going to be left floating in the abyss. So verse 10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That if you follow these qualities, that you will never fail. Here's the thing. If you don't do anything about your faith, then God can't do anything with it. God is just saying, you just need to do something. Because even when you do something and fail, God can still use that. But if you stay idle and do nothing, God can't do anything with nothing. 
If you fail, there is redemption. If you don't do anything, there is nothing. The point here is just try. Just try. Because scripture tells us that we have all sinned and fall short, so failure isn't the point. That Jesus is after the heart. He's after the heart of you trying and trying to live this life with him. Amen? Like, the call of Peter is saying, just be faithful. Try and do these things. If you don't have all these things, try and try again. Learn Come into that place of understanding and learning of what these things mean in your life. To make sure that you're working in your faith. Because if you just sit there, God can't do anything with you. Sometimes we, as Christians, we sit there and we just wait. We're waiting for God to say, God, you have these promises for me, but I don't see anything happening in my life. Let me ask you this question. Are you doing anything to pursue that relationship with Jesus? Are you doing anything to, ex to extend your growth in God? Are you doing anything to come into a clearer understanding of who Jesus is in your life? That you remember that he has redeemed you from your sin. Remember that. Remember that first and foremost, Jesus did everything for you. Okay? First and foremost, Jesus did everything. That when Jesus' righteousness came upon you, all the promises in the Bible is now fulfilled through his death on the cross. And because of that, you have access to all of these good things. The goodness of God pours out into your life. However, you need to go after him. If you think that after salvation, you could just coast, Peter tells us that that's dangerous. Because it is not just about salvation, church. It is not just being about, about being saved. It is not just about purchasing fire insurance. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is the reconciliation of a relationship that was broken between man and God. And that in our church that we hear can live in a life and in a place where God and us work together to navigate the brokenness of this world. Do you find it hard sometimes to live in this world? Sometimes where you feel like, I can't understand what's going on. That everything that, that happens in this world starts giving me all these anxieties and and giving me all these fears, and I don't know how to make the right decision, right? But God says, I can help you. I have already done the work. Now you just need to rest in that. And as you rest in it, you'll get to know me more. As you get to know me more, you get to partake. I love that word, partake that we get to be in the power of God. That church, that you have power, that you live life with power, that you don't have to live life in a place where you're, you're trying to figure things out. That God has given you power to overcome these things. Sometimes we need help, yes, 
That's why we live in community. That's why we need each other and we, we are in this body of Christ together. That's why I encourage you guys as, as, as part of Five Stones Church to, to, to get into a small group, get into a community where you could be like, I need help. And that as a church, we could come together and say, how can I help? Isn't that beautiful? That we could go to each other and say, how could I help you? How could I pray for you? How could, what are the needs that you have that maybe in my experience of who God is, that I could actually help you? That I could encourage you? That you're going through depression? You know what? I've gone through that too, and God's delivered me from that. God has given me the answers of, 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 of how, I, how to overcome these things. Can I share that with you? That I've gone through certain things and all of those things shape your, your story of who God is for you, but all of those things also help each other in this church to navigate through those things. That God uses the church, you know that? That all of us are being used by God and that all of us are called by God, that all of us are elected by God. to be his hands and feet, to be Christ in this world. That Jesus said that as I go, I'm going to send you a helper. Who's that helper? The Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit empowers you to do the ministry of Jesus Christ, that we need to stand in a place that have faith to know that Jesus works in us. That the power of God is in us. And that we can navigate this world together. So we need to hold on to that. We need to hold on to the calling. How? By standing in your faith and pressing into what? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And it says, if you do these things, you will never what? Fall. If you do these things, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That you don't need to be afraid of failures because even God could use your failures to give him glory and to give you his goodness. Don't be afraid of that, church. That in our failures, God could still come through. Isn't that incredible that we don't need to worry about those things? So how do we apply this to our personal call, as I first pointed out? That yes, we have a big picture call to make disciples, that we are to walk that out. But in our lives, God has created you as individuals with a set of gifts and talents that come alongside that bigger call. Each and every one of us has a path that God has set before us and comes alongside that path that Jesus set before us. We're not all called to be in pastoral ministry, but you are all called to be part of a royal priesthood. We're not all called to do international missions, but you're all called to be a holy nation that represents who God is. 
You see, my call as a pastor is not my wife's call to be a pastor. My wife has talents and giftings is not to be a pastor, but as an illustrator that influences the marketplace with her incredible arts and her ministry and her priesthood and her interaction is how she promotes her business and how she raises our kids. That's my wife's call. But our ministry together is to pray for each other and to encourage each other to fortify our faith with these qualities. To lift and remind each other to keep pursuing our faith. My call as a pastor is, sep is separate from Steph's. It's to walk alongside you and to encourage you to walk out your discipleship and to help in creating an environment where you can thrive and walk with God. My call is to serve you, Five Stones, in a place where you are walking in a path of righteousness that God has given you. One of the things that we do in this church is we have a prophetic ministry that comes in to encourage the church and to lift up the church. But out of that prophetic ministry, there's an individual um, encouragement for each of us, for those that have been with our church for a while. Those prophetic words that are given to you is part of your calling for you to steward and for you to walk out. And as personal as those calls, those, those words are for you, those words are also for the church. That's why as elders we go through these words with you because we know that this, this thing that we call church, this thing that we call family, that every single one of you guys are intentionally here because all of your giftings and talents is to propel this church to go forward. That whoever comes through these doors and needs to be ministered, that there's someone in this church that is equipped to minister to them. Amen? That it, the job of ministry isn't just set aside for myself. Or the job of ministry is not just set aside for my staff. Or the job of ministry isn't set aside for the deacons or the elders, but it is as a church together as a whole that all of us minister together. That's what the call of this church is. That every single one of you has talents and skills that were placed in your heart and placed in your spirit. You guys just saw Deborah walk up and give an announcement to help and one of the things that Deborah loves is compassion ministry and one of the things that I'm so excited about because Deborah just has this love for people. She loves to pray for people. She loves to just care for people. She follows up with people. She's so much better at it than I am. She has a, she has a pastoral gifting that I do not have. She genuinely cares. And for Deborah, she's so excited about how God has placed this into, into her kind of line of ministry, and she's so excited that she gets to part participate in the compassion ministry. And as, as we continue to develop it, Deborah's going to come up in the next couple of weeks here, and she's going to do a call out and say, hey, I need volunteers to help me in this compassion ministry. So if you have that call, please go to Deborah and say, hey, I want to join your team. I want to be a part of your minist the, the ministry that you're starting here at Five Stones but that each of you have a set of gifts, talents, and burdens that God has placed into your spirit, into your heart, 
that says, this is the way that I'm going to move. That I get to be a part of this church and that my calling is that I walk out my faith. Did you know that all of these qualities and your, and your faith and your skill sets actually match together in a very, very complex, complex way? That church, that all of these things are for you. For you to bring glory to who God is. That he's created you and the more that you rest in these, these qualities, the more that you practice these qualities, the more that you build up these qualities, you're going to start seeing that you're going to come into a wholeness of yourself that you've never seen before. That God will begin to restore your spirit. That God will begin to, to work in your life in ways that you never thought was possible. That as you start doing these things, that things in your life that need healing, places in your life that need healing, all of a sudden you're going to see healing come into those places. Did you know that? That God wants us to move as a church together, forward, forward, forward. This is Peter's whole call in his letters, forward church, move forward. Let's do this together. That you walk out in your calling in church, that is one thing that we want to do together. We're going through a season in this church where we're, we're starting to, to raise up leaders, we're raising up committees, we're starting to build things together. I don't know exactly how things are going to work. I have the big picture view. I have Alex, I have Liz and Candace and Carol because they're so much better at organizing than I am. I have an idea, they make it happen. It's, it's fantastic. That's their gifting. That's their setting. That, that, that's the gifting that God has given them. Liz has this incredible mind where I tell her something and she's just like, okay, these are the things that you need. She writes a list down and I'm just like, I don't even have one thing on the list and you have 12. And she's able to just pull off, like, this, these are the things that we need to make it happen. And I'm meeting with so many of you guys as we're, we're talking about ministry opportunities, and I want to meet with more of you guys to talk about ministry opportunities and how you guys can fit and how you guys can give and how you guys can participate and partake in this aspect of forwarding this church. That it's not about just worship in these churches. It's not just about the music or the sermon or anything like that. It's about what you do as a follower of Jesus Christ. Right? That you do it and you make every effort in doing it, not because you're gaining anything, not because you're working towards anything, but because God has already done that work in you and now you get to do that work for others. That's what it's about. Amen? So church... Peter is giving us a huge warning here. And that warning is to be is against being lazy in our faith. But what Peter is doing is he is encouraging you to walk out your faith, to fight the good fight, and to take hold of eternity. If we are to be the church God has called us to be, then we need to actively live out our faith and be in constant discipleship. That no matter how we live, that we are loved by him, 
and richly provided for. So church, can we move together? Can we do this together? Can we walk out the calling that God has set before you? Can you use your gifts, your talents, and your, your, your burdens that God has placed in your heart to go and minister to our community here in Five Stones, but also to the community that's out there that doesn't know who Jesus is, that we can bless them so much more generously than what the world has to offer them, that we could give them so much more than what the world has to offer them, because the gospel of the gospel of Jesus Christ is just the goodness of God and His blessings poured out onto the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you that we get to be in your righteousness. And Lord, we just pray that as we are here and that you have done the work already, that now we are able to walk out our calling in a way that you have gifted us. So Father God, let us continue to make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything you have commanded. And Lord, may that be the ministry of this church. May that be the ministry of our lives. And Father God, however that may look, Lord, use our giftings, our talents, and our callings to serve you in the way that you have called us to do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. The Lord just kind of gave me a, an extension of John's tubing experience. And what he showed me is <clears throat> basically what he asks us to do is he wants us to take a tube from Europe to North America across the ocean. And that sounds impossible because it is. And that's because it's impossible in our own strength. And what he was showing me is that, you know, when you first set out, things seem so easy, you're near the shore, and you know which direction you're going because you can still see where you came from. But at some point, you hit the open ocean and there is no land to orientate you. There's, there's nothing around you but the waves. You know, the storm comes, the waves are coming in all different directions, you're getting spun around. And this is why we have to be intentional in our faith. We can't just set out and try and float across the ocean. There, there's no way it works. We don't know where we're going to end up. At the end of the day, you still can reach from, you know, basically Argentina right up to Newfoundland. So you got a big target, but you still don't even know if you can get there. And this is why the Lord says, be intentional and come to me, and I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to be your compass. I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to be your provision as you go across the water. And even in the middle of the storms, things are going to look scary. You know, the Lord unfortunately doesn't promise us that things are going to be perfect and happy and sunshine all the time. But he does promise us that when we're in the waves, he's with us. And that's arguably more important. So, Lord, we just come before you today. We thank you for just a time of worship where we can sit in your presence, Lord. We thank you for the words that John brought to us this morning to, to encourage us, to, to show us where as a church we're supposed to be going. And Lord, we know that where we're going is where you tell us to go. 
And so, Lord, we just seek to, wherever we are in our walk, wherever we are in our faith, Lord, that we would just take the smallest of steps to just go in the direction you tell us, Lord. When you say left, we go left. And when you say right, we go right. And when you say run, we sprint. And Lord, when you say stop, we just wait. No matter what's going on around us, Lord, we would just listen to the things that you are guiding in our lives. And we pray all of this in your name. Be blessed this week. Amen.